Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? <laughs> yeah, like, it's ours. No. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it is me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. I see you're still unpacking right there. I see boxes. Well, it's the office, you know? So it's not a priority to me at the moment. I feel you. I feel you. I'm looking you know? at some of the books. Gonna take, we, we've, I mean, we moved, what, like 10 days ago? We've done a pretty good job. Yeah, not bad. You got all your books up there. I see. Mm-mm. I see you got books. Zane. Mm-mm. You got books about Zane up there. You know Zane. I I know Zane, but the uh, <laughs> the previous Zane. owner Zane. was a retired what? English teacher. So these are all his books. <sighs> got books on books on books. <laughs> so should yeah. I say that you guys again? Can, Jeez, you guys, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead and let them know because you know they're going to talk about you if you don't. Yeah, um, I apologize. Could you, you? Yeah, the previous owner was an English teacher, and those are all their books. Right? Yes, all their books, and it's like this in a few rooms—just books on books on books. It's pretty cool. And you don't, are you going to get you? Are you going to get rid of the books? I, I want. I want to go through all of them and see. I was about to say, yeah, you don't know yeah. what's in there. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine if it's yeah. just some wild? No, 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 you, you no. I know who I got like it you from. Get, you get in there and it's like mind Kampf, You know, it's on the stage. Look, here's the thing. How you know those books aren't haunted? It could be. Haunted books. But you know what? I feel like Copper would have let me know at this point. Uh, Copper not fucking around with that. Listen, me and Copper touched souls while he was here. Copper, Copper, I talked to Copper. You know. About what, Van? So this is what me and Copper talked about. You know, Copper was me because I was going back and forth to the kitchen. And I was trying to get like food. When I would go in there to get food, Copper would be like, "Hey, Uncle Van, let me go in there with you real quick." You know, because he wanted some food too. Oh. And so I gave him a I gave him a um a drumstick, and we're sitting there talking. And I'm like, you know, what are things like at home? He's like, I'm not gonna lie, bro. Compared to where I was before, this shit is lit, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like Rage be looking out. You know what I mean? Listen, he she, ain't lying. He's like, Rage be looking out. He's like, yo, she let me do my own thing. You know what I'm saying? I kind of be chilling. Sometimes I don't be chilling. But, you know, mostly I just kind of walk around in my own zone. You know, I do me and I chill. Like Kevin Durant's MySpace profile used to say back in the days. I do me and I chill. Um, I was like, you know, what are your responsibilities? He was like, nothing, nigga. Nothing. I don't. I don't. I'm like. He's like. Really. He was like. See y'all. I see y'all. I see y'all. Y'all do this little thing where y'all stare into this little box and it look like y'all be talking to each other. I don't know what y'all be doing, but for me, I ain't gotta do shit. You know, I just be rolling around, talking shit, doing my thing, and that lets me know that Copper is not warning you if anything like that happens because now you have to. Now you, Matt Copper, and we've all heard him on this podcast. He will bark and raise hell at the sound of anything, at the at the presence of anything. When we moved into our place in Miami, Copper wouldn't come through the door at first. That's a dog who's letting you know something you're, right. No, you're misinterpret you're misinterpreting the barking. Because I used oh. to think this about Bozeman as well. You're misinterpreting the barking. Okay. You think Copper's warning you. That's not what he's doing. He's saying what's he's up? He's telling you to shut up. <laughs> you bothering him. <laughs> I like thought you were going to say he's saying what's up to the girl. No, 
It's like it's like it's like sometimes I think Bozeman is like somebody ring the doorbell, and I think Bozeman is like protecting us from the doorbell, protecting us from moving. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, "Yo, shut up with all of that noise, man! I'm trying to chase the ball." These do- these dogs are different. The dog I had back in Louisiana, Apache, killer. Okay, come back there if you want. Come to my house right now. Bozeman will probably help you load the stuff up as you get like is you're bothering him, you know? I have no doubt in my mind that Bozeman is telling you to shut the fuck up. Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt. Not even my close. child, absolutely not. Matter of fact, he's I at work. He's at work right now. He goes to he work at? every day. Huh? Oh, doggy he told me about care. that. He told me you told, told he told me that you sent him to the doggy day to the doggy daycare. Every so, day. He doesn't like it. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> he told me. He told he said he doesn't he doesn't he said what? I was like I was like, yo, man, yeah, bro, what's telling me about these little friends you be making? He's like, man, them niggas are all right, bro. He's like, them niggas straight. But he was like, on the real, I can't really vibe with them. Cause you know, I come from the Texas streets. And these other Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, Hancock Park dogs. Like me and them don't be on the same shit. Uh, he runs a dice game there. <laughs> so he was telling me that he, this is what he was saying. He was telling me that like, you know, he puts a little visor on and then after they break for lunch, he comes in and they get together. And he runs a little <laughs> craps game. He, you know, he's got a little racket going. He's still, he's selling treats two for five, five for 10. Stop. They save their little money up and they come to Copper got the whole thing. Copper got a little racket going. He's like, really? They are well, his. then he should be thrilled. Talking nah, about he don't he, like it. He doesn't really like them. That's why he had to start taking advantage of them because he told, he told his exact words where he said, look, if you're looking around in a room full of puppies and you don't know which one the mark is, you the mark. And so he was like, I got to make sure these puppies know that I'm not the mark. So he got a little thing going. He, you know what? Get out of Copper's mind. I don't like it. I don't like this character that this you is created co- for Copper. I don't like it. I don't. Yo, enough. Enough. But, but I got to be honest with you. When Bozeman was here, he followed Copper's lead. <laughs> he like, did follow like, Copper's like, lead. Like, he like, did. Like, he he did. did. When Bozeman was here, he followed <laughs> Copper's lead. Yo, they they was cool. But Copper's like, hey, Bozeman, come here for a second, bro. Let me teach you how to do this. I look over in the corner. Copper t- Copper teaching Bozeman how to break a bone down, how to get the meat mm-hmm. off of it. I see, you got to do it like this, bro, so you don't <laughs> injure yourself. Because Bozeman kind of little, little chicken bones, but Copper knew how to get around this whole thing. It's a real street dog. <laughs> For a street nigga from Texas is what You can't is. tell anymore. He's living the life now. Mm-hmm. Far from it. So what have the last two days been like for you uh, since Will Smith changed the world? Oh. I mean, for me, Everything's what Will Smith did hasn't affected me personally. You want to be honest? I'm so tired of um, covering it. To be, to be 100% honest. I am tired of having to ask people about their reaction <laughs> to what happened. Because at this point, if you were going to say something, you would already said it. At this point, nobody wants us to ask talent about it. Nothing new has really developed that's of substance, right? So there's really nowhere to go with it. It reminds me of being at TMZ. This mm-hmm. whole week has reminded me of being at TMZ. Because when there was a celebrity story that broke at TMZ, you had to find every 
single angle of the story and you would just beat the story to death until there was no more to it right we got will smith related stuff to talk about on the podcast today but like you just keep on it until you didn't reach out to somebody's sisters brothers cousin and they didn't tell you it was just like god damn when is it over when the lord you know set me hard? free you know what's hard about what we do because our show is, is different from yours in in certain ways we can't give really opinions so we're reporting on what's out there and when no new news is really coming it's hard to keep like the news is to ask people their opinions like i had a fantastic interview with jim carrey who gave uh an answer i know people have people some people haven't liked his response but it was interesting what he had to say he and he wanted to talk took the footage couldn't hear it why? Because they said, because he had already got himself in too much trouble? He had already had that interview with Gail, but I actually thought it was interesting what he was saying because he more so in my interview got into the, we might see more of this happen because we're, we're seeing, every, you can't be everything to everyone, is what he said. And he was like, we've just gotten in a place where he said he thought the EGOT was the worst thing that could have happened. Because you're trying to do all these different things. And he's like, when is enough? When is it just okay to do what you do and that be enough to try to prove all these things? You're trying to reach all these things. And he was like, and it's, it's physically impossible to be everything to everyone. So eventually you might snap. And he was like, and we might see this happen more often from celebrities in this society. And I'm paraphrasing what he was saying, but that's the gist of it. This sounds smart to other niggas you know what I'm saying I'll be honest with you uh-huh. these motherfuckers been snapping for years let's not try to act like this Phil Spector killed somebody these motherfuckers been snapping we've been watching celebrities snap like even, even sure. out of this, Mariah Carey snapped Britney Spears snapped to a degree Whitney Houston and them they snapped this degree of celebrity for a lot of people living in society, there is a degree of notoriety that is counterintuitive to human existence. It is simply not natural in the way we've socialized ourselves to walk around and have everybody know who you are, fixate on sure. every step that you take and break down and scrutinize every single move that you make. And they've been snapping for a long time. They've been snapping. They've been right, snapping. But- but our, but our, the way our brains work is like, we, it's so we easily forget, right? It happens, we move on, and it's the next thing. So I don't think it's We don't wrong. forget about this too. I know we are. But what I think he was more so saying is maybe remi- the reminding of that it's happened before, maybe the reminding of we'll see it again, maybe not in this way, but another way, and it might be more commonplace. Guess who we're not talking about right now? Who? Kanye West. A nigga who been snapping because somebody because it happened to somebody else. You know what I mean? It's like I, I'm not disagreeing with Jim Carrey. You know, who's very funny. He's a very funny guy. I'm not disagreeing with Jim Carrey, but what I'm saying is, at some at a certain point, and no one wants really wants to do this. At a certain point, the let me tell you what my my deep dark fear is you want to get into my deep dark fear 
talk about right now. This is my deep. Is this one of them or is it this the fear? Nigga, I got like a. It's one of them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I go deeper and darker than a lot of people. So this is my deepest, darkest fear about humanity. My deepest, darkest fear about people is that we actually have things exactly the way we want them. See, I look at humanity as, and when I say humanity, I mean cultures, period, black culture, humanity, period, you know, uh, us within black people, right? Then humans broadly, right? Let's just take black people. I worry sometimes that we have stuff just like we want it to be. Now, in what way? Okay, so intellectually, I look at all of the things that are outside of people, all of the things that we've built that seem to be bigger than us, um, all of the things that we seem to worship that keep us where we are, like racism, you know, even religion itself, sexism, homophobia, and all of these things. And I look at them as things outside of us that, for whatever reason, we know deep down or as a, there's a collective understanding that there are things that need to that these are things that need to be overcome right and as naive mm-hmm. as it is for me to think that i really have believed that like racism for example like racism was the law of the land for a long time right and it still continues to be the oxygen that america feeds off of but i've always thought to myself that it's just a matter of time before things really change in a real way because People understand fairness on a basic human level. You know, you get this. Sure. Like people know wrong from right, right? Right. So people, because people know wrong from right, it's just like, and if you look throughout history, you see these big examples of wrongs being trampled and being destroyed. But like, what if at our basis, at our basis level, this is who we are? And I thought about this based upon what the slap really, and I'm I'm going way too deep into it, but I thought about this based upon what the slap really did. The slap really just reinforced people's already, their their trauma that they already have, right? And I thought Mm -hmm. about black people specifically, and I thought about everybody who told me that that was deserved and warranted, and that it's actually okay to walk on the stage in front of all of those people, slap another black man, and that he deserved it. And I think to myself, I'm thinking like I and really I couldn't talk people out of it, right? Not that I'm saying Will Smith is the worst person in the world. Not that I'm saying I was traumatized by it. Not that I'm using all of these big explosive adjectives. I'm just saying, can't we just all agree that that's wrong? That's wrong. Yeah. And the answer is no. And, and so, because the answer is no, and the answer is no on so many things, the answer is no on fucking Kanye West, because like. The answer is no on so many things. I'm like, you know, really, maybe this is us. Maybe the, uh, maybe they're not lying to themselves. Maybe they are who they are. I am who I am. And the only thing that we can do is do our best to stay out of each other's way. Maybe there's no, like, maybe there's absolutely no, Maybe maybe too much has happened for people to actually see things differently. And I've really been considering this. And it's like, 
it's it's a little scary. I'm going back and forth and I'm talking to people and they, and I, I was talking to one person specifically, um, and they said, "Well, I don't even consider what happened to Chris Rock on the stage to be violence." And I, he, what did I was they like, consider it? They say it's not violence. It's like a little slap. It's like a little slap oh. that didn't really move him at all. That's not violence. That person had just said to me before that the joke was violence. The joke was violence, but the slap wasn't. Like, how can you reason with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying that the I'm not saying I'm not saying that the joke was innocuous, and I'm then I'm not saying that the slap was the worst thing in the world. I'm not saying either one of those things, but sometimes I get to a point. And y- y'all, I'm wrong on here all the time, and I'm stubborn on here all the time, and I'm fucking like, uh, I'm bullheaded on here all the time. And to some of these, pe- to some people, I'm probably the guy that I think that I'm talking to. But like, I just wonder, like, yo, man, like, yeah, we kind of fucked. We and, well, and, don't I- you think that's adulthood, right? When people say that people never change, or you can't change someone. So much might have happened to someone along their life or maybe even recently where they're like not going to change. They are so affected by what has happened to them or what has happened in society and how that has impacted them that they're not going to see it any other way. For example, like what we were talking about in the last episode when you were talking about the sand, there's so there's some women who have been so impacted by the way they've been treated or perceived by by men or black men in this society and they're so desperate and longing for that like that for it to be reciprocated or for that love to come back that there's they will desperately grab onto something knowing that it still won't give them what they want you're never going to change their mind on that because and it's interesting that you say that because when i see like some tweets from from and I'll just stay on this in this track specifically from black women I'm like how can you not see it the other way I just think that so much has happened to them or they have or or they perceive things the way they've been impacted by society or how society's treated them that they're never going to see it any other way that's adulthood though yes and here comes the butt okay Does it? Okay. Isn't there an understanding of how you're fucked up? For example, because mm. of the, because so 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 you're saying so think about it. Isn't there an understanding of how you're fucked up? So because of my relationship with my father, I am forever, forever, forever in ways going to have an inferiority complex. But why do you know that? Because it's because of therapy. No. How'd you I figure knew, that out? So I'll tell you how I figured that out. Like, I, I figured that out just by analyzing why I'm so hyper competitive sometimes, and why I always feel like I have to have the last word, and why sometimes it's difficult for me to take the help. Because as much as I love that. And I loved him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I had somebody who established themselves as being above me mm-hmm. and being a, a beyond reproach and consistently saying to me, there's a measure that you have to meet. And I don't know if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, a yeah. there's like a 
there's a measure of manhood that you have to get to. And son, I'm not sure. And not just for not just him. He's like Pete Lathan, Bishop Lathan, Victor Lathan, like Jimmy Williams, all of these guys, my uncles, like talking about them. And these guys are like that, to be honest with you. Uh, Charles mm-hmm. Stewart. They're like uh, all of these guys, like my uncles talking about them as they're like, you know, mythical gods. They're more than men. Tell, tell me about sure. what they did back in the day. Like, and you have to do this. And you don't do that by like watching Stanley Kubrick movies and roller skating around the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, you, like you, you, don't, you don't get there by... Sure. You know what I'm saying? You, like you, he had his <laughs> definition for what it was. Right, yeah. right. And so when when I got to a point to where things started to ha- happen for me in a way, I'm like, okay, well, uh, this is what I think. This is me. I'm I I'm okay. And because I'm okay, I'm fine. Like me being okay with who I am is like rebellion against my father. Like, but that sometimes stops I, me. I get it. Yeah, like me being who I am is like rebellion against my dad. It's like, this is me. I'm fine. I'm okay for myself. No one else can tell me that I'm bad. And but me reaffirming that in myself, I'm rebelling against him, right? But I still see shit that's fucked up, right? I still see like the things in him that are fucked up, the things in me that are fucked up. I still can like separate sort of at least I hope that I can, the fact that there are all of these things in society, all of these deals that we have to make, and these things are simply, like, non-negotiable. Like, I understand that there are certain things and certain... We talked about Leah Thomas on on this podcast, right? And I realized that I went into that conversation half ignorant about the science of that. But I did that. I I wanted that, though. Because I need people I get that. To, yeah, like, like I need people to hear themselves sometimes. So I need to hear myself. And there's still more work to be done. And I'm still not sure what it is that I believe about that. But I do understand that the goal has to be equitable and fair treatment in all of these things. But like sometimes it doesn't even feel like we agree on that. It, do, it feels like we agree on the, it feels like the only thing we agree on is doing what makes us feel best to do in the moment. And that to me feels like the overriding, and we're this is way deeper than Will Smith and Chris Rock. It seems like to be the overriding edict in human existence is a hundred percent. That's exactly who we are. And I mean, for you to be able to talk about it in this way and 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 be able to, I don't even know if it's necessarily compartmentalized, but be able to. I mean, look within and, and 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 pinpoint certain things and understand the root of it and able to separate, you know, why you have this feeling and this reaction and where it comes from. Most people cannot do that, which is why I asked you if it's therapy that has helped you. It's probably I know therapy therapy is, because I know Echo, therapy is what helped me yeah. when I first started going, realizing, oh, that I do this because this happened to me and I'm affected by this or I'm too fearful to make this decision because of a standard that's been placed on me or, you know, wanting to please and and be a certain way and fulfill this certain destiny that's been laid out in front of me. I get that. Most people don't do that. Most people don't, I think personally, don't understand the why of, 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 of their thinking or where it comes from 
or why they can't see the other side of it or why someone's like, oh, no, the violence is in what he said and not the slap and can't see that. Maybe it's both. Sure. And you know what? I also think, though, just to be fair to people, I think also maybe the fact that I've had like anxiety attacks and it's manifested itself in so many physiological ways that I can't ignore makes me go like these obsessions that I have. Like when I start playing pool and like I start playing pool around in college or whatever, I realize that I like pool. I start playing pool hours and hours a day. Until I get good enough to where people can't criticize me for pool. Then I start playing Marvel versus Capcom 2. I realize I like to play the game. I start playing hours and hours a day, uh, like hours and hours a day, traveling around playing the game. So people can't criticize me for being bad at Marvel, Marvel versus Capcom 2. Basketball. Played basketball my whole life. When I was getting back in shape, I drilled myself. Basketball, no one can tell me I'm bad at it. Right? So like boxing. I box, but I go every single morning, right? So people, so you can't tell me I'm bad at it. And the reason why I don't want people to tell me that I'm bad at it is because every time I box, I'm boxing against my father. Every time I play pool, I'm playing pool against my dad. Every time I'm playing video games, I'm playing video games against my father. Every time I'm running, every time I'm having a debate, every time I'm doing all of this, I'm doing it against my dad because I don't want anybody to tell me that I'm not, that I'm bad. I don't want anyone to tell me that I don't measure up. And so that drives me to just get fixated on something until I know I'm good enough at it, right? Until I can be confident that I'm good enough at it. And so I get that about myself, but I also, like, I don't, it, it, I've sometimes, I've, and, and I'm not saying that other people don't get these things about themselves. I'm like, sometimes I have conversations and we'll, and you'll, and you'll talk and I'll, and, and maybe this is once again, my arrogance, I'll be like, Yo, on the baseline, like, you can't see where this is wrong. Like, you can't see where we, fuck wrong. You can't see where we can't do it like this. I get it. I get how you feel, but we can't do it like this, right? I mean, like, dude, we can't do this. I I know. And 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 it'll be like, no. I'll be like, well, fuck, man. Like, we just... (laughs) We just out here. If we can't look, look, I'm just saying if we can't agree that just straight up dogging somebody when they say something you don't like, if we can't agree that that's wrong. And by the way, I, I want to say something here slightly controversial. Like people were like, if if a white man called you a nigga, is it different? Yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. In a perfect world, it, it wouldn't be different, right? But it is different because what I'm talking about in the case of Chris Rock and Will Smith or any of this other stuff is specifically how I think we should treat each other. I don't think we owe white America emotional restraint. I don't think they've earned it. Well, I, I just think that's also apples and oranges too, because of what I think that there are levels to, okay. I think there are levels to what you have to look at what's being said, that word versus a medical condition. I'm sorry. We've talked about it before, so we don't even need to go into it. There's a whole history there. I think there's a, it, it elicits a completely different response and it's okay. And it's okay. And it's different. Straight up though. I guess what I, I, but you know, having said all that, I'm still fucking with Will Smith. 
course. Nothing's changed in my well, mind. Because one moment can't necessarily we'll define you. It. We'll talk about it. Yes. I just think I've been having deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. This is the kind of stuff me and Copper talked about. Okay. What's the, what? What we talking about though? Like, like, but this is kind of you don't want to believe that me and him had this. So he be texting me. He had like a couple of days ago. He asked me for ten dollars. I would okay. First, a couple of days ago, like a, like a couple of days ago, I would ago, actually love co- to believe that you and Copper really like, talk. Like Copper, a couple of days, Copper would be like, "Yo, man!" Like he Facetime me. I look up, like I'm, I'm, yo, he had a cigarette hanging outside of his mouth. He's like, "Yo, yo, I'm down here, man. These niggas kind of busting me a little bit. Yo, Unks, you can send me ten. Now that's and what said, you're not going to. Uh, Copper can talk to you and tell you all day, but what he is not in is need. <laughs> Let's take a break. We come back with the big deal of the day. Oh, Bruce Arians has stepped down as the coach of the Buccaneers. Now, look, we're going to talk about an issue here. It's the big deal of the day. It's diversity in the NFL. Rachel loves the NFL. She's the, <laughs> Don't do Ra- this. Rachel loves the NFL. And let me tell you, something, of all the things that our audience uh, doesn't like about us, like, what do you think the top five things that the, the higher learning audience doesn't like about us? Uh, Trudy's Corner. <laughs> For sure. They, they hate it on both sides. Um, our hypocrisy when it comes to the NFL. Yeah. Christianity, they don't dig it at all. They don't, oh, they do not like when we talk about religion. Ooh. Um, defining blackness. Hate it. They hate that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's more than five things. It's a lot, it's a lot of things. But like, <laughs> we, we, stay, three, we stay pissing off our, yeah. our audience. And they just keep coming back for more. The, Christianity is way up there. Like Christians. And I'm not like even like a traditional Christian. You know what I mean? I, I believe I'm, a, I'm on the fringe, baby. Um, and I call myself a, a Christian with a Brazzers password. Is what I call myself, you know? That, that okay. Kind of, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But yeah, the NFL is one of them. And look, the more I was digging into this topic, that's the big deal of the day, the more I was I was asking myself, yeah, the NFL's, let's be honest with you, the NFL's all fucked up, Rachel. It is. Yeah. It it's is. so weird. You know, all it of is. It, it's, this is kind of one of the ways that I'm talking about. Think about this. I just talked about not understanding people and meeting moments and have. This is one of those things for me because I understand that this organization is pretty a pretty fucked up organization. Yet when that little brown ball starts flying around the field, I'm right there like, <laughs> feed me some racism. Um, <laughs> now, Bruce Arians has stepped down as the Buccaneers coach. Now, he stepped up for his old friends. Uh, his old friend, Arian, Bruce Arians, Super Bowl winning coach, was the coach of the um, uh, Tampa Arizona Bay Cardinals Buccaneers oh. for a while. But yes. he's the Arizona Cardinals after that. He's now stepped down. He's not going to be the coach anymore. He's going to have a, uh, a front office job. He is advocating or has advocated for his friend Todd Bowles to become the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's what happened. Todd Bowles is a black man. He's a black panther. He's a, Todd Bowles will now drink the heart-shaped herb. And get the bells of the Black Panther. Um, but this is a long line of wokeness for Arians, of course, in case you guys didn't know. If you if you see him, you know that he's he's down with us. He wears a Kango. Oh, because that's the <laughs> defining thing. I'm yes. gonna be, I'm, I'm be honest with you. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. Think about it. 
you're looking at three white dudes and you're playing the game, who's the ally? Right? Let's play a game, a game called Who's the Ally? Three white guys just on site. Cowboy hat, baseball hat, Kangle. Not even fucking close. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Cowboy hat, baseball hat, Kangle. Kangle is by far the ally. As a matter of fact, you could even put a beanie on one of them. The beanie could be like one of those skinheads wearing like those beanies and shit. You don't even know. Cowboy hat, baseball hat, Kangle. Definitely. Cowboy hat, you might have to get your smash on. You might need to run. Baseball hat, probably January 6th. Kango, you just don't... <laughs> you know, kiss, kiss. so yeah, he wears a Kango. But look, he, back in the 60s, when he was a quarterback at Virginia Tech, was one of the first guys at Virginia Tech to have black roommates. He had black roommates. Stop Tech. saying black. Mm-hmm. Um, in, two, in 2021, he added two women to his staff. And had eleven black coaches, Impressive. and three eleven black coaches and three coordinators. Bruce Arians, I guess he's been down now. I did like the fact that I saw him put hands on one of his black players last year, and so you know, I always wonder when coaches do things like that if there's a little baked in sort of white supremacy that makes them think that they can put hands on these players like this. But whatever. Um, only only seven other black men have ever been the permanent head coach of at least two NFL franchises in their careers, and now Todd Bowles is one of those. Uh, a lot of talk about diversity in the NFL. Before we get to some of these other things, these other things swirling around, what do you think about the newest, latest black coach and how he got his job here? Well, I mean, I think he got it the way that coaches should. He's qualified for the job. He clearly has the experience, and he's got somebody who's either held the position or been in this industry a long time vouching for him. This is how it should go. You know, without getting into all the other topics we're going to talk about, this is exactly how it should be. Todd Bowles is clearly qualified, deserves the job, understands the system, understands the framework of that team. He deserves it as a coordinator, as an experience being the head coach before for the Jets. He deserves this. There's like It's no question. And, and what Bruce Arians is, and I don't want to praise him too much because then I feel like we're being very hypocritical too in the sense that we're like praising the white guy who's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. This person, he's being fair, right? He's being, him having 11 coaches, that's great. They're probably qualified, right? He's not, he's not doing the good old boys club. The women that he has, they're qualified to be there. He's putting people in the position who deserve to be there outside of any other factors. That's what he should be doing. So I'm not going to pat him on the, I'm not going to praise him too much, but Todd Bowles deserves to be there. So good, good for him for, you know, say, speaking up and, and saying that as well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to pat him on the back, but I, you know, I'm not going to pat him on the back, but I will let him in the club first. You know what I mean? Before so the like others? I'm, sure. Yeah, if, if it I'm, comes if down I'm to him and the, the others. Yeah, if I'm working yeah. the door at the club, I'm like, yo, Aaron's, bro, come on. Like, can I get a free <laughs> bottle? Nah, no free bottles, nigga. We don't get no free bottles. Just get in the club. You're paying for the bottles because this is Club Black. And we need all the bottles to be sold. All right. The NFL um, is a stinking sieve of racism. Uh, we already know that. But they, they've, uh, they've, they've, they've instituted two new things and they're trying to address 
what's going on in the league as far as some of the inequality is concerned. One is the NFL is now requiring teams to hire minority or women women as offensive assistants. An expansion of the Rooney Rule. If you don't know what the Rooney Rule is, uh, the Rooney Rule is the complete fucking joke that the NFL has had going on for a long time, which requires you to interview a black coach if you have a coaching opening. So that means, let's explain the Rooney Rule to you guys. Let's say I'm coach of the uh, Beverly Hills Bozemans. You know what I mean? Uh, the Beverly Hills Bozemans. Cute. And uh, you, we, we've, we've, we've fired our coach. And I want to hire a coach. Four guys on the list. They're all white. Okay. Can't happen. I have to interview a black person, right? Mm-hmm. I have to interview a black guy. Normally, it's a guy, but it doesn't say, you know, obviously, because, you know, we're talking about NFL culture, but I have to interview a minority for this job. Okay. What happens most of the time is that minority interview doesn't mean anything. Okay. Normally, I know who I want to hire. It's one of these four white guys. I interview the black coach just to meet really real requirements. We've seen this happen before. The case of Brian Flores, when Brian Flores thought that he had a shot at getting a Giants job. He was texting with his old friend, Bill Belichick. He did not realize that the job had already been filled and he was not going to get it. He was probably a Rooney Rule interview casualty. No, he was. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was. Now, We've always speculated this, but the Brian Flores incident put it full, like we actually have evidence, evidence that it happened. That the guy had been hired before Brian Flores interviewed for the job. So that's essentially a waste of Brian Flores' time. And really, to be honest with you, a waste of the organization times uh, time, uh, organization's time as well. Now, there are people who still argue that even if that is the case, have you heard this argument before? That it's still mm-hmm. beneficial for minority coaches to interview for jobs that they were not going to get. Why? For practice? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. I'm as serious. a confidence boost? No, I no. can't. I can't. I can't get down <laughs> with that school of thought. They I say. They say that putting coaches, I'm just, this is what they say. They say that having black coaches go through the interview process, right? That that gets them familiar with the interview process. It prepares them for the interview process. And it also helps them meet executives in a very formal way around the league that they might do business with, be considered for. Because let's say you're the executive of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then you Rooney Rule interview some guy. Uh, then you move on, and now you're with the 49ers. Well, you've interviewed that guy. You, he's already in your mind. And if he made an impression, even if you didn't hire him from that job, he can still uh, he still be top of mind for you at another job. No, place. because if what we're saying, if what we believe about the Rooney Rule is true, that they're just checking a box because they have to, then how do we know how how detailed and rigorous the interview process is for a black candidate when you're just just doing what you have to do. They might be in there kikiing with them just because they like that coach doesn't know what the real interview process is. Brian Flores went in thinking he was excited about the possibility to get this job as the Giants head coach, thinking he had a real shot per his text message to Belichick. And turns out they were never considering him. They'd already hired the guy. So you tell me how rigorous that interview process was. It wasn't. So that that to me is out the window. Like that's no. 
And honestly, I think that these coaches, I mean, these executives and these front office people have their minds made up from the moment that they walk in. I mean, these these candidates walk in. I don't really think that the interview process has that much of an influence personally. I think they know who they want. Well, right? You think Sean Payton's going to have to go through a big process when he becomes the Dallas Cowboys new head coach? Uh, no. He's a Super Bowl winning coach, Rach. So of course but I'm just saying the other people, the other people are getting that good practice when they go in there. No, the job is Sean Payton's whenever he wants to accept it. Uh, so now they've expanded upon this beginning this season. All 32 clubs will employ a diverse person, diverse person, female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority to serve as an offensive assistant. So on your office of staff, you're going to have to have a quote-unquote diverse person. Female. Racial or ethnic minority. Okay. The league will reimburse teams for the assistant's salary for up to two years. Um, why is the mandate that the coach have to work on offense? That's what they said. In recent years, head coaches have been predominantly uh, offensive coaches. So they're saying developing offensive talent more important because we're seeing more offensive head coaches and the NFL is paying the salary for the first two years of these diverse people. Cause he Rachel, knows you, they know these teams don't want them paying Rachel, the salaries. I think this is an admission of guilt. I think that this shows <laughs> here's the thing y'all call it hypocrites, hypocrite or want. Yes. I watch the NFL. Yes. Love I've, it. I've had to cover the NFL and work. Yes, yeah. I do like football. I of do. You like it because it's racist. Yes. Yeah, I, I literally told somebody in my DMs the other day. They tried to get at me because they said I allow you to say the N-word, but I didn't lie. Uh, allow Hannah Brown. And they told me that I was racist. <laughs> they told me that I was racist because of that. That's a crazy nigga. Whoever said that, nigga, 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 and a happy nigga to you. And I said, and 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 use the word three times. And I said, you know what? If you just wanted to say the word, just say it. Just say it. Just. But I told her I was racist. And I said, I'm glad you figured it out. I'm racist. But anyways. Um, okay. This to me is an admission of guilt. For them to change the rules, knowing that typically head coaches are come from the offensive side of the game. And knowing that they don't have diversity and inclusion already within the teams and them creating this rule to me shows that the stuff that Brian Flores is asserting in his lawsuit, there is truth to it, which is why I find it so interesting because the NFL's response to Brian Flores lawsuit is that it is without merit. Well, if it's without merit and maybe there's talking about some of the other things that he's asserting, but if it is without merit, merit then why are you creating this new rule? I think you realize, and, and this is the thing with the NFL, and this is why you know we talk about the racism and the problems within it. Never that I can recall has the NFL been proactive when it comes to diversity and, and inclusion. It is always a response to an allegation, to a lawsuit, to someone calling it out, some type of media public attention placed on the NFL. This is exactly what's happening right now. Brian Flores possibly sacrificing 
himself in the process. He is the sacrificial lamb, may never get another head coaching job. Thanks to Mike Tomlin, you know, advocating for him. He does have a job in the NFL, but may never have a head coaching job. And it's for reasons like this. If, if he doesn't win, if his lawsuit gets thrown out, at the end of the day, his lawsuit caused this rule change. Whether it is beneficial in the long run in creating more diversity and inclusion in the head coaching position or not, it has caused attention and spotlight and highlighting an issue in the NFL that the NFL does not want. And what is it doing? It's changing its rule, which we've seen it do time and time again. That's how at I look this at point, it. At this point, why would Brian Flores even want to be an NFL head coach? Are you mocking me because of Colin Kaepernick? Yes, I 1,000% <laughs> am. Okay. And I am so glad that you picked up on it. I, right, because <laughs> all of you out there, that's, of course he still wants to be an NFL head coach. Is his job. And even though he realizes that the NFL is a racist place to work, it's the only gig in town, guys. Billion. <laughs> well, I didn't exactly say. Well, I, I'm implying it. Sure. 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 I'm implying it. I'm a hypocrite. We all are. I guess, but I, I guess, you know, Cap has gone down such a long, a much longer road than Flores. It's the slavery thing for you, isn't it? It's like the no, slavery. but in no, but in his lawsuit, slavery is asserted as well. The the in, the owners sitting at, at the top watching the Negroes play That's on, what Brian on the said. It's somewhere like that in the lawsuit. Yeah, There's something. And no, no, he asserts it as well. But I guess Cap sued on collusion, and hopefully, yeah, yeah, I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, I tried to make it work. You know I tried what? to make it work, you but I can't. We, we have, this is what we're going to do whenever But I didn't say that, wait, wait, can I just say this? I never said Cap shouldn't be in the league. I said, I just, can you explain to me why? Why? I guess I get the feeling for Brian Flores. He still wants to be a part of this. Of course he does. He's, he loves football. So he's got Colin Kaepernick. They, they're football yeah, people. Yeah, he does. He does. They love he football. Does. Remember that game, Hungry Hungry Hippos? Don, do you ever play it? Ever play Hungry Hungry Hippos? Really? Of course, of course. Huh? Don, you play Don, do you play it? Loved it, yeah. Big fan. I would always choose the green hippo. The nigga asked you Why, which hippo Donnie? you chose. Yeah, to to TMI. Yeah, like like see what I'm saying? <laughs> you come in like you wanna you trying to build more inroads to the audience again. He's feeling himself. It's like, oh, always like the green hippo. We asked you straight up, did you ever play the game? <laughs> and I and you, and you came through with the yeah, the green hippo. Yeah, that's what we are. Whenever we're whenever we're being like whenever we're being hypocritical, we just call ourselves some hungry, hungry hippos. There's not a bigger hippo on this whole podcast than Trudy, and we'll talk about why later. Um I don't like that. Lying. <laughs> Trudy, uh, he just up- what he just called you was a heifer. Did you get that? Ooh. Did you catch that? Yeah, I, I did. Did you catch that, that Trudy? I didn't do that at all. Never. He- Hell, uh, that's Ray. what I heard. Guys, one day I'm going to tell you a story of when calling a heifer goes wrong. Family reunion. Does it ever go right? But wait, why would it ever go right? A heifer. I, I will never call a woman a heifer ever after what I witnessed as a child. Ever. It was terrible. Uh, they also, the NFL also announced the creation of a diversity uh, advisory committee, which will f- review league and club diversity policies. With a focus on senior level coaching in front office positions, okay? This is very true. They're going to do this, all right? Uh, it's going to be led by Houston Texans general manager Rick, Rick Smith and include experts in business, academics, legal, 
DEI and football league announced. Now, here's the deal. Do you think that's a good deal? The NFL always has an ace, sl- ace up the sleeve. You got to know when to hold them. Uh, the diversity <laughs> advisory committee includes two lawyers who represent employer interests. Jim Trotter has talked about the minority uh, coaches, execs wanting to be able to choose committee members. There's some. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead and play the sound for me, Donnie. Well, Patrick, what I can tell you is that the people I've spoken to about this, the people who are most impacted by this, have not greeted it with great enthusiasm. Number one, they say the NFL has said it wants to expand the voices it hears on this issue. And yet these coaches and executives and folks say they did not have a role in selecting the six members on this diversity committee. As one coach said to me, don't you think minority coaches and executives in the NFL would like to choose or have a say in the people who are advocating for them. Mm. Mm. Your thoughts? It's all for show. It's see, there is no merit in Brian. Flo- all of this is a reaction to the Brian Flores lawsuit. It means nothing. They will do nothing. I mean, granted, this new rule with hiring, um, a person that's a minority or what was it? A person minority or a female, a woman, a woman, they have a to, diverse person, Rachel, come on now. A di- but it says a woman, as a diverse or, person, which is defined as a woman or someone from a fucked up race is the way it's looked at in the thing. It's, that's what it says. So the there's contract. a gap in it, right? So because what if you don't person. identify with the gender? Well, I mean, I'm sure that you would be diverse. Diverse person for the NFL, but you said diverse. you said minority or you said woman. It you said says, that's what it says. No, no, it says woman or person from a fucked up race. That's <laughs> but that's says. race. That doesn't qual. That doesn't. That doesn't. No, no, no. You're gonna get yourself in trouble. Okay. Uh, what like? What, no, what, I'm not getting myself in trouble. Sure. I'm saying that it's not including everyone. It's what I'm saying. The way people identify, it's not. Uh, are you familiar with the term called regulatory capture? You know what that no. is. No. No. So regulatory capture, I'm going to give you guys uh, the definition of it, and then I'm going to give you the uh, the way I see it playing out to this. So regulatory capture is, in politics, regulatory capture is a form of corruption of authority that occurs when a political entity, policymaker, or regulator is co-opted to serve the commercial, ideological, ideological or political interests of a, uh, of a minor constituency, such as a particular geographic area, industry, profession, or ideological group. So I'll give you an example of regulatory capture the way I see it. It's like when you hire a guy from Goldman Sachs who used to work at Goldman Sachs to be like the secretary of the treasury, right? So you hire somebody from Goldman Sachs to be the secretary of the treasury. People on the outside, they look at that and they say, okay, that makes a lot of sense. He knows the way money works and stuff like that. Also, but also though, in that situation though, now you essentially have a Goldman Sachs baker writing U.S. monetary policy. What does that mean? That all of his motherfucking pals and his cronies over at GS and all of those other people are probably going to get favorable outcomes as far as the way the policy is written and the country is governed when it comes to money. And this Mm -hmm. is what happened in 2008 when you had all of these people making the rules, used to work at Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs guys still got their bonuses, and they still got all of this stuff, and the American taxpayer had to fund huge bailouts for all of these banks. It's more complicated than that. I get it. 
do not kill me, financial people that are listening to this, but regulatory capture is when the people who are essentially making the policy have a vested interest in serving a small group of people. The NFL can't help but endeavor into that. They can't help it. The NFL can't help but work for itself, which is the problem with all of this stuff. You're asking the NFL mm-hmm. in this particular issue to be um, to be accountable, but it's very difficult to be accountable to yourself when there's no incentive for you to do so. The only incentive sure. for the NFL to be doing this is bad press. It's not good enough. So the people, two of the people that they've hired, one is Peter Harvey. Um, it works for a law firm that deals in making sure employers have good outcomes in these types of situations. They hired another lady. Her name is Patricia Brown Holmes. She recently defended McDonald's in a discrimination case brought by black franchises who claimed that their white counterparts received a preferential treatment. Preferential treatment. Why on earth, if you're trying to, (laughs) why on earth, I'm sure Patricia Brown Holmes is a great lady, but why would she be brought on when she's represented the interests of McDonald's basically over black people? The NFL doesn't even think we're watching them. It's interesting. It's interesting is what I'm saying. But it's interesting. You know Patricia's black. So what? No, I'm that just saying matter. that's... No, it does to them. That's part of the reason that she was also picked. Patricia. So yeah, uh, look, you guys, we realize that we know that we're hypocrites, okay? Um, I am glad the Saints didn't get Deshaun Watson now. Because I don't know what I would have done. Like that would have been too much. And I gotta watch Deshaun Washington fleeing the pigskin around. I guess it'd be tough, you know, to, to watch that. So there's a level. What level of hypocrite would you say you're all from a level of one to ten? Judge your hypocrisy on the NFL. Seven. Did you say seven? We're up there. I'd At seven. least. I'd say, say it's still ten. At least. It's not even who you think you are. It's right? not ten. It's not ten you. because we at least will call it out and acknowledge it. Okay, but we up there. Aren't you soup kitchen in the NFL? Skip Bayless says he was raised by a black woman. Uh, he has a Skip Bayless show. <laughs> and he spoke fondly of Katie Bell, a black woman who worked for his grandmother. <sighs> to whom the job of raising him fell. Run the audio. Now for the tricky part. <laughs> Katie Bell Henderson worked for my grandmother in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. My grandmother traveled in her work and she needed somebody to run the household. And Katie Bell had been with her for a long time and and Katie Bell took over the household. My my immediate family, my extended family, I, I never got any racist vibes from anybody. Everybody loved Katie Bell, but they treated her like an equal. They, they treated her like one of the family. You're just going to have to trust me on this. She was an authority figure. Nobody in my, my family, my cousins, n- nobody, except for one quick story I'll tell in, in a second. I, I didn't hear the N-word. I heard it at school occasionally on the playground when I was a little kid, but <laughs> not from my parents or my grandparents. I, I just didn't hear it. Katie Bell was just Katie Bell to me. 
Katie Bell. What? <laughs> Look, you know what this reminds me of? Well, my grandmother, my um, my dad's mom passed away. And uh, she passed away. There was like these white people at her funeral. I was like, why are they there? And I forgot that she used to like, she was like a, she's like a nanny. Right? She'd be like a nanny to like kids growing up. She'd like raise these kids. Like she was a nanny in the house. So, so all these kids, there are you know, these people that are rich white people that looked at her as sort of a, a mother figure. You know what I thought? I don't know them people. I mean, they can't be that close to her. Because there would be times when her grandkids, you know, was kind of fucked up. We never heard from them. It's not like a family family. It's it. I, it, I'm not saying that I don't know why this bothers me. This is this man's experience with Katie Bell, who was a stoutly built woman. He comes from a family who never said the N-word. And they had a woman like that movie Clarence Hart when it was Whoopi Goldberg and Neil Patrick Harris who came in and changed his life. I don't know why it bothers me, but I think I do know why it bothers me. I wish... Katie Bell didn't have to raise no fucking snot-nosed ass Stephen A's fucking nose. Snot-nosed ass Skip Bayless. I wish Katie Bell didn't have to do that. I wish she didn't. You think about how fucked up Skip Bayless was as like an 11-year-old. You know, hating on somebody that hadn't been born yet. Like I said, that problem is still every day was still hating on LeBron probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about what Katie Bell had to go through. I wish she didn't have to be his school mom or whatever. I don't know. It just bothered the shit out of me. I don't know why listening to him talk about how dope Katie Bell was and the fact that they were doing her a favor by never calling her the N-word. I don't, I don't know. It just bothered me. I don't like it that shit. It should bother you. It should bother you because Skip Bayless let everybody know he had a mammy. That's what he just did. He introduced everyone to his mammy and I'm sure it's not the first time he's told that story on, on television or in a podcast or some form of media. Um, the reason that it bothers you so much is because Katie Bell wasn't hanging with Skip out of the goodness of her heart because she just enjoyed the company of some white kid. She had to. She was employed by his grandmother. She was the help. She had to take him with her to church. So while he is romanticizing and glorifying certain memories and I'm not and I and I and I'm I'm sure he does go on. I listened to the whole thing. He talk, He talks about his mother, who was an alcoholic. He talks about how he had to go from family member to family member. He's, he spent a lot of time with his grandmother, who Katie Bell worked for. So he spent a lot of time with Katie Bell. But Katie Bell was what had to work for him. And so I think what bothers you is how much he's talking about it. Like it's this beautiful love story when at the end of the day, Katie Bell was the help. And she had to do it. My grandmother did this. My great-grandmother did this. And at my great-grandmother's funeral, very similar to what you discussed, I saw members of the family that she worked worked for, which it they literally talk about her the same way that Skip does. And, and what bothers is that, like, they had to. They had to. I'm not saying Katie Bell didn't have some sort of love for Skip. Sure she they, did. She probably had a lot of love to give. had to do that. It bothers you when you hear Skip Bayless say, I was the only white face of the church, but they treated me like a prince. 
Sign of the times. God damn. Quote. That's what he said. Sign of the times. What else were they going to treat you like? They like you were an outsider? You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's one thing for him to pay respects to a woman who meant a lot in his life, but you can't do that without acknowledging that time period and what, what black people had to do to survive at that, at that point and not talk about the struggle of black people and, and honestly what black women had to endure truly like they, there weren't many options for uneducated black women, which is why your grandmother has a very similar story to my grandmother and my great grandmother. So, and you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to be with their families and they kids. Exactly. But it wasn't a lot of options. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I also found it interesting that he said in, in the clip, if y'all listen to the whole thing, he said he hadn't talked to her since she was 20. Well, if you watch the movie, The Help, you see that they raise these children who eventually grow up to hate them. And I'm not saying that Skip. I'm just saying he hadn't talked to Katie Bell, who he glorifies and romanticizes since he was 20. And that's what that's a story for a lot of them is that they move on, they become affected by society, and maybe the way that they saw them as children is not the same way they see them as adults. And, they, and it's, a, it's a totally different thing. I don't know. It, it bothered me as well. And I'm not, and clearly it's emotional for him, but you can't talk about that without talking about the other side of it. I want to know how much, I want to know. How much Mandy know, made? Nah, I want to know how much she made. I want to know how close he is with her, with her kids and stuff. Nah, like, nah, like tell, talk about the story of once you became an adult in y'all's relationship. You know, she's no longer We're with so us. Did you care? Cynical. We're you so care? jaded. He's I don't just care. trying to tell the story. Rachel, we just, we're the what's people, wrong we're the with people, us? We're the people that you talked about at the beginning we're of the this people. podcast. I'm tell, we are so those people. Rachel, we're those people. We're so those no. people. You know why yes, I can are. talk like that? Because I can tell a story from my grandmother and my great grandmother. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, it wasn't that for them. Sorry, it wasn't. Katie Bell. You know what? You know what the crazy thing is? Like, you just never know how it's gonna go. Is is Skip probably thought Skip probably thought he was gonna be nigga of the day. <laughs> well, he he shouted them all out and said that he's more comfortable around his wife. Told him he's more comfortable comfortable around black folks than he is around white folks, and I, that's I just, all because of his mammy, Katie Bell. Yeah, and like. You just never know, Skip. Skip, you never know. Okay. It's you just, thought it you thought it was going to be today. Isn't today ain't nigga day for you. It's not. You thought it was gonna be today. You've been wearing Jordan. Skip been trying to talk to us for a while now. He got that chain. You know? Cause I'm gonna be honest with you. Let's talk real quick about this. Turtleneck with chain. <laughs> okay. You got you do a turtleneck, you wear a chain. Mm-mm. That's black, right? It's tacky. Turtleneck and chain is tacky. Drake I don't like it. it. You don't and? like it? And you're a big Drake fan. No, I so, never said Andy, that. Never you don't like that. Drake now? What I like Drake. Happen? I didn't say I was a big yeah. fan. You were a big fan of Drake when we saw him that night at the Oscar party. You're very big oh. fan of him. Did yes, we switch were. places? Did we switch? Hey, hey, Drake said hi to me. Y'all, y'all see that? Rachel, Kalika, y'all see that? Drake dabbed me up. Drake acknowledged me. I was trying to get to the bathroom. 
Yeah, right. There was plenty of bathrooms. You were trying to get to the Drake room. That's what you were trying to get to. Brian, I'm joking. No. Uh, okay, so a couple of updates to Slapgate. Slappy slap. Slap happy. One, the Academy says Will Smith was asked to leave after the slap and refused to leave. Do you believe this? I don't know because I've heard the other side of it. What's the other side of it now? I haven't heard the other side yet. Well, no. TMZ. Pause. Yeah. TMZ is saying that that's not true. They're hearing reports that the Academy never did that. So I, I guess here's where I land on it. I, it doesn't matter if the Academy not, okay, asked him. Okay, can I, be, can, I, can I let you guys know something real quick? Okay. That came right. from Will Smith's camp? Okay. Yes. <laughs> They're hearing reports. <laughs> no, they didn't hear no reports. Fucking... TMZ is 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 very wily. They're going to use this to get closer to the Will Smith camp. Like they're going to use this to get TMZ as an organization is very very adept at swooping in on a celebrity in their lowest moment or most vulnerable public moment to then use that moment to build a relationship with that celebrity, right? So in this particular moment, Harvey or somebody at the office is communicating to the Will Smith camp that hey, you don't you you don't have to talk. We'll talk for you. Hey, is this true? They can't come out and say it, and they don't really want to have too much conversation back and forth with maybe like a blue blood like People Magazine about it. But they'll definitely talk to TMZ about it. Is one thing it definitely came from the the Smith camp. Came for from the Smith camp, sure. But yes. here's what doesn't matter: even if the Academy really did say that, you didn't force him to leave. So you asking Gee, him and him saying. You but, ain't gonna but, force him after that. But but nigga, the, like the academy's trying to save face. Got pop, no, no, no. Pop, but he, pop, the academy's pop. trying to save face, right? Because people have been hypercritical and rightfully so of the academy and the way they handled this entire situation. So now they're like, well, we asked him to leave. Okay, but did you make did you tell him he had to leave? You gonna at make the, him leave after he just wait. smacked the man on TV? At the very at the very so, least, ooh, they could have stopped panning the camera over to him throughout the night. We kept getting shots of Will Smith all night, having a good old time sitting front and center at the award show. At the very least, they played into him, which is why they're now apologizing to Chris Rock. So it doesn't matter whether they did or didn't. At the end of the day, you allowed him to remain in the same space that he was pre-slap. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really have that much of a problem that he, that he watched the rest of the show. Okay. That's fine. I like, think he should have been removed. I mean, maybe, but like anybody it was else, so, it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. Anything? It was so bizarre. We wouldn't have got. It was so bizarre. That it was like I, I don't know. I, you know what the thing is, and this is so fucked up. I know it's wrong, but I'm not mad. Everybody, like it, this not- is. I, I watched Wanda Sykes, and Wanda Sykes said that she was traumatized. Different experience. Every oh yeah, because she was there. Yeah, it's true. You we have no. You know how chaotic it probably was behind the scenes. Right. Hey, I'm not mad at it either. I'm not traumatized. I'm not traumatized or triggered. I'm not traumatized or triggered. Yeah. But who knows what they went through behind the scenes. Plus, you know what? I think being, being, I don't think I'm traumatized by violence that way. The most violent thing I've seen recently happened on on the basketball court. Like one of my niggas got knocked out on the basketball court. Pop. Pop, pop. 2016. 2015, boom. He's kind of a bully on the basketball court. Everybody knows mm-hmm. what happened. LA Fitness Hollywood 2015. 
everybody who hoops there knows what happened. Going back and forth, this guy, and the human body is such an amazing thing, walks up, runs up on this guy, bang! Like just, and just, you just turned his lights out. He just crumbled to the ground. I was at half court. I was like, God damn, that nigga just got knocked out. Crazy. So I walked over and I'm like standing him up. I'm like, yeah, bro, stand up, bro. Let's actually no, sit down. It's like, what happened? I'm like, bro, did your jaw hurt, nigga? Did your jaw hurt? He's like, yeah, my shit banging. I'm like, yeah, that nigga just knocked you the fuck out. It's like, he's like, he just, just knocked you out, bro. You walked up on him and hit you hard. It's like, where he at? I'm like, he's gone. You were just unconscious. Why don't you sit your ass down? <laughs> you know, you big jaw, you know, but it had to happen because, you know, you're kind of a bully on the basketball court. We all knew that it had to happen. So, like, that didn't traumatize me. Matter of fact, it was slightly humorous. So, like, it, 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 like I've seen this before. I'm not traumatized by it. Like, I've seen I'm this. I'm not traumatized so by it either. Maybe if it would have happened to me, I would have been more embarrassed than anything. But no, like, for us, it's not traumatizing. Uh, oh. So Ooh. this is this is the interesting thing about the fallout from an event like this. Uh, other people get their asses kicked. And I'm going to be honest with you. I can make an argument that neither Will Smith or Chris Rock got their ass kicked on Twitter as bad as Zoe Kravitz did. Zoe Kravitz got her motherfucker fucking ass lit up. Did you not see this? Zoe Kravitz went on Instagram and remember they, we've uh, as a culture been praising Zoe Kravitz for her beauty for the last I don't know what. Her since beauty the and her performance yes. <sighs> yeah she's great. She's a great actress. She's a great actress. And um, She posted on her Instagram a picture of her and the picture said uh <laughs> That, you know, this is her dress or whatever. And it said something like at the end of it uh, that apparently the show where we are assaulting people on stage and screaming obscenities. She fucking gave it to Will Smith and they gave it to her. When I said gave it to her, Zoe Kravitz went from being the coolest, smartest, most uh, beautiful celebrity out there. To a sexual predator overnight. They drug, when I say they, I mean it was receipts on receipts on receipts. They drugged the shit out of her. People brought up an interview to where uh she said that this is what she said. 2013 V magazine interview. She said, There was moments when I was hanging out with Jaden and thinking, I can't believe you're 14. I have to check myself, like what I say to you. She said, He has so much personality and so much swag, he's so much cooler than I am, and he's so handsome. I was always like, when you're older, you know, we'll hang out. No, that's inappropriate. You're 14. All right. So they brought all of this shit up now. They brought up shit that she had said that I didn't even know she had said. She said she's not a black artist. She's just an artist. Oh, I just <laughs> saw the Jaden Smith stuff. <laughs> no, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I'm, lo- I'm uh, trying to look. I did not. I only saw the Jaden Smith thing. She said there was one where she says, uh, she says she's she she put up a picture of this mural that said, I'm not a black artist, I'm just an artist. And then she had a caption where she's like, I'm gonna drink a black beverage and go to the black store and do the black this and the black that and the black this. She's trying to make a point that she's more than black. Uh were they fair to her? I mean, 
What do you mean, was, was it they fair, fair to, to her? I don't know. Was if it that's... fair to drag Zoe Kravitz over what she put out there? Was that fair? Was that a draggable offense? Well, it's 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 hard to to answer that question in that way. I mean, anything you put out for public consumption is fair game, right? Like it's out there, it's public. So, is it fair? I mean, sure, it's fair. You you said it. They're bringing it back to the public's attention. Um, I think that it's without rehashing how I feel about the whole incident. I guess I'm a little shocked that people wanted to dig up or were holding on to these receipts in regards to Zoe Kravitz over this incident, which to me seems pretty much like, listen, what he did was wrong. It doesn't take away maybe from the why he did it, but the what was wrong, right? Like how he went about this whole thing was wrong. Why are we now trying to tear down, sorry, Zoe, this black woman? Why are we doing that? Why is it so easy to do that? Why is it so easy? Why are people just like jumping at the opportunity to bring down a woman, a black woman? To me, that doesn't seem right, right? She's voicing her opinion. Several celebrities have. She was there at the Oscars. She saw what we saw in person. We have both talked about the fact that we think we voiced our opinion on it. I just don't understand why that gives you the right to say or the or the motive to be like, you know what? Now I want to tear her down. I don't we think should, that's necessarily cool. We should say it wasn't just her. Everyone who came across with an opinion on the thing, black Twitter, large parts of black Twitter lit their asses the fuck up. Who else did you see other than Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey got lit up. They got all over Nicole Hannah Jones's ass. They did? Yes. They got all over Nicole Hannah. They brought up Jim Carrey. They brought up everyone. All I saw was tweets. This you, this you, this you. This you, the receipt bin is overflowing with black Twitter. There's got to be three people in charge of this. I'm not gonna lie. There gotta be three people in charge of this. There's gotta be there gotta be three people. It can't be. There gotta be three people who are in charge of the receipts. I want to know who the people who are in charge of receipts are. So I can keep stay on their good side, just giving it to them. And let me tell you why this happened. Let me tell you why this is happening. I'll tell you why this is happening. I know why this is happening. I know why. Why? Because it's happening because we get annoyed by the over-aggressive vilification of shit. We get annoyed. All right. We get annoyed when people like Judd Apatow go, you could have killed him. We get annoyed when people over, we get that it was bad. See, the reason I, I tweeted this, the reason why we don't trust, we, we don't trust white America to, to weigh in on these things because like they go too far. It's like, yes, it was bad, but like thug and I'm shocked and traumatized and I can't, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep and this is the worst thing there and I can't believe and making it seem like it was this great crime against humanity. That's kind of what, that's kind of what happens. You're right here. Comes, here comes Rachel. Let's get to it, Rachel. Let's get to it. And they always, they always OD. They always OD. And then that makes that, that makes us go, or at least me, I'm going to speak for myself, that, must, that makes us go, fuck it, he didn't do it. 
fuck it because we can't trust you guys to 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 dole out the same let, let, people put people put this out there Judd Apatow didn't do James Franco like that when Busy Phillips said that James Franco was all over her on the set of Freaks and Geeks Judd Apatow he wasn't sickened and shocked by that shit they were around that guy for years nobody was sickened and shocked by that they sickened and shocked by Will Smith I'm not saying that things are a one to one and I'm not at any but what I'm saying is right. people get fr- people get frustrated by the fact that like it's like they wait for us to fuck up this has been said so brilliantly by Orlando Jones on uh, American Gods. He said, um, by the way, you fucked over Orlando Jones on American Gods stars. You fucked him over. But brilliantly said by Orlando Jones on American Gods. When a white person fucks up, sometimes America looks at it as a good person doing a bad thing. When a black person fucks up, America looks at it as you're showing us who you really were all the time. And that feeling is baked into a lot of people sometimes. And so when they see that, they just want you to remember, hey, you're a fucked up person too. And I'm not saying it's right what they did to Zoe Kravitz, but I'm saying a lot of people feel like they're trying to maintain some sort of, some semblance of order on this whole thing and not just, you know, whatever. Listen, I get the sentiment of we constantly feel like we're always being attacked or people are always looking for an excuse to be like, I told you so when it comes to black folks. I understand that. To me, that's not if you're doing that in this situation, I don't quite understand it. I understand being on the defense. I understand being like, you know what? It's very similar to what happened in with OJ. We were so, we were like, you know what? You ain't about to take down one of our own. I understand that with Will. I guess maybe taking away from social media, let's just take the celebrity reactions. The celebrity reaction isn't necessarily that I have seen that Will is this terrible person and we need to cancel him and this is who we knew he was all along. It seems to be just attacking that moment and what happened and that incident that it was wrong. I'm not going to sit here and speak for people who may have been triggered by seeing a slap on TV because they've experienced it in their own personal life. It didn't trigger me. It didn't traumatize me. I was just like, oh my God, does that just happen? But for somebody I know that has experienced that, for them to just be thinking they're watching one thing and to see that, it ignited something in them. I'm not going to take that away from them. But what for the- that kind of fucked up? Like- that no, it could have been anybody. Completely different. Really? You're like, yes. Yes. All right. Yes. See, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm doing it again. I just, really, you're traumatized. I I'm not. T- I know, not I'm you. I'm not. I almost want to tell I, those people to toughen the fuck up, man. No, like, that's not. That's just because you might have been through worse shit in your life doesn't mean the worst thing that has happened to somebody okay. else is not the worst thing that's happened to that's them. Fair. So I'm not going to take that away from them. Just because it didn't move me in that way doesn't mean it really didn't affect somebody else. When they're thinking they're watching one thing and then they're watching this. And maybe it's because of who it was by. Right. I don't know. So I guess I'm not going to take away from that. If, if, But I also don't see this 
there is some dramatization of it, but I'm not seeing this dramatization of from Hollywood and correct me if I'm wrong of people saying we always knew Will Smith was like they, that. They, I'm not they, seeing, they are kind of ODing a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm not. I'm not. Am I seeing people talk about it a lot? Absolutely. Did I start off this podcast saying I'm tired of talking about the situation? Absolutely. But I, I'm not seeing I'm seeing people talk about the incident. And that it was wrong, which I think both of us agree that it is. But I think that you can't talk about this conversation without going into how somebody else could understand what happened in a different way, which we did in a great way on the last podcast. But what's wrong is wrong. It was wrong for him to do what he did in the way that he did it. I'm not addressing the why. I'm not addressing the why. I just that's like, a totally different situation. So this and what, I just this, I just don't understand people being so motivated and wanting to tear somebody else down just because they called an action wrong. Right. I so now want, I'm gonna go attack you. I know. You, you and you're not you're not wrong, right? Ezra Miller, the Flash, the guy who plays the Flash, was arrested for disorderly conduct, walked up on the stage, snatched the mic out of a girl's hand or something, a person's hand. He also has been on tape before, like hitting a woman in a restaurant, right? Shia LaBeouf goes nuts on the on a beat somebody up. Fucking the guy from um uh what's the guy's name? From uh from uh the kid's name from um Wild and Alpha Dog. Help me, help me, Donnie. He was starred in Wild. He was an Alpha Dog. He was just in Once Upon a Emil Time. Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. Beat the dog shit. Beat the dog shit out of a woman at in at Sundance in 2015 for no reason. And an executive walked up to her, beat her unconscious. Right. right? Like Tommy Lee, six months in jail for beating on Pamela Anderson. Just like, and it's like, we get it. It's all bad. And I'm not making excuses for anyone, but what I'm saying is. It sometimes don't seem like they sickened when it it happens from people inside their community. No, that's a hundred. We know that. So that's why people are trying to, I don't know. But it also, it's like, no, 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 no. You're right. And I'm not disagreeing with you. They obviously give more leniency to their people than they do for us. Almost as if it's innately within us. Okay. But Will Smith did it on an international stage on live television. Yeah, it's true. just, you got to talk about it in the right Ooh. context. Okay. I've had enough racism for the podcast. Um, we're going to give you guys a, an update on Ukraine. Uh, war continues to rage in Ukraine. We're talking about things that are culturally important, but don't quite seem to be life is death. Well, they're not life, not life or death. Um, the Pentagon says that Russian troops are withdrawing from the Chernobyl nuclear site. Russian military forces have begun to withdraw from Ukraine's Chernobyl nuclear site, according to U.S. Pentagon officials. Russian troops seized the facility where radioactive waste is still stored on February 24th, the first day after the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, the withdrawal comes a day after Moscow officials announced Russia would scale back operations in two Ukrainian cities. Uh, so we are looking to bring Isabel back to update us on what's going on in Ukraine in the next couple of days. You know, whatever her schedule permits, she's very busy and also um, 
is in a high stress situation, but we loved the first conversation we had with her. We want to make mm-hmm. sure you guys are staying up on what's going on in Ukraine. We also want to talk a little bit more about exactly how the sanctions uh, that Russia is facing and the increasing economic isolation that Russia is going to face is going to affect your life here in America. We're going to talk about that because there's a lot of back and forth going on about that. I saw our old friend Tamika Hamilton. She was on the um, uh, she was on the old Twitter. She tweeted. Uh, yeah. Yeah, move on. She yeah. She said uh <laughs> she said some stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like it feels like it feels like it feels like Tamika's uh it feels like Tamika's like she's she's turning full. I don't know, man. I don't I don't want to be mean. Sounds the same to me. Her tweet was completely nonsensical. It was like dude, it was like it was, it was good for bluster, but bad for any sort of actual uh, intellectual thought. But I, I don't want to say that to her. Tamika, you come back on. I know the law audience loved you so much the first time we had you. So yeah. you, you come back on. Yeah, they, they loved you. That was, that's probably the favorite guest we ever had. It's Tamika Hamilton. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think they loved her. Thought mm-hmm. loved her, especially the Reddit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On the Reddit. Have you been on the Reddit lately? What's going on over on the Reddit? I actually haven't. Mm-hmm. You haven't been on there? Can't tell you what's happening. You're not fucking with them. Be honest. No, no, I'm not you. Don't try to turn me into you. Um, all right. I think it's time for mailbag. We, we, Let's do it. We've gone through the Donnie. You know, you know what, Donnie? Just, just bring it. You know, just fucking do your thing, Donnie. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. I appreciate the the permission. Um, (laughs) Hazel, I band. Damn. Sorry. (laughs) Hazel, I banded 11 on Reddit wants to know, uh, Vent. Can you give us an update on your friend that saw his dad out with another woman? Oh, <gasps> I forgot about that. Okay, so number one, Donnie, I just want to make sure you reason. That's not hazel eye bandit. That's hazel eyed bandit. Hazel eye. Hazel eyed ha- bandit. That's no, yeah, yeah. Not hazel eyed bandit. It's hazel eyed bandit. Like you, you, you know how you know how Eric Sermon is so terrible at your job. You know how Eric Sermon calls himself the green eyed bandit. The green eyed bandit. The green eyed yeah. bandit can't stand it. You know what I'm I, I saying? Get it. I like get it. she's this person this has the hazel eyes. Hazel eyed bandit eleven. And you said hazel eyed. Let me eye look bandit. at it. Let me look and see look, how it's right. Look, 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 look it's, I, I'm definitely right. Right, Eric Sermon is the green eyed bandit. I need <laughs> some uh what Donnie, are they Donnie, Donnie, I need Donnie, 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 come on, Donnie. It's clear as day. Donnie, clear. What, what are you doing, bro? What the hell is Donnie doing? <laughs> Not his question. job. Jesus Christ, Donnie. Uh, can you give us an update on your friend that saw his dad out with the uh yes I can. And it was all bad. <laughs> so he told. Yes. Mom? No. Dad told Sibling. mom? <gasps> no, siblings. And the siblings told. There's a civil war now between... No, siblings haven't told yet. There's a civil war now between the siblings about whether or not they should tell. Oh, my gosh. Okay, first of all, Thought Warrior, Hazel-Eyed Bandit. Great question. Totally forgot about the story. And it sounds like in a month or two, we're going to need another update. 
Yes. This is I developing. I actually forgot about it, um, but it was brought up. So the siblings now are fighting, not just the siblings, but other people. It seems like almost everybody knows now, except for the mom. It's not going to hold. They're going to have to tell. Is he continuing? Yeah, but I, I got too much of my dad in me. Once it, gets, once it starts gets to people's business that can lead and hurt feelings, I, I opt out. All right. Next one. Next one, Donnie. Try to get the name right. Son of a. This was easier. Mother of Teddy on Reddit. <laughs> Donnie. Uh, if the internet and all forms of media vanish tomorrow, what would Rachel and Van do to make a living? I'd go back be to practicing your, law. Yeah. I would be in your fucking living room. That's where I would be at. Okay. On some real shit. Flocking. Sounds nigga. like I'd be, I'll Get be representing me. you. That's what exactly we'd still be cool. Because <laughs> Rachel, like Rachel, I would be coming in, I'd have my hand in cuffs. Rachel would hand me a file. Like, Van, this is what you're looking at. I'm like, there's nothing we could do about that. You know what I'm saying? And we'd have great little podcasts across the table. It'd like, be great. In the visiting. Yeah, we'd have all kinds of And they'd of be talks. like, ma'am, ma'am, your law license is expired. You can no longer. <laughs> <laughs> I have no not, idea what I would be doing. Not. I don't know what I would be doing. Probably, I, don't, I have no clue. I really don't know. I don't. Come work I, for I, me. I, I, yeah, I'd I work for Rachel. I'd be Rachel's <laughs> private investigator. You know what I mean? Me and Copper would be on the case. All right, next one. All right, Tina TX3 on Reddit asks, what's the most embarrassing thing your parents caught you doing as a child slash teenager? I know you have a good story. I don't. Oh, really? Like the most embarrassing thing, it wasn't even embarrassing. It's like my parents caught me in a lie or something like that. Like I was at some dude's house that I wasn't supposed to be. I have no embarrassing story. Right. Uh... Jacking off to the Jan Jackson. I knew it. <laughs> no, no, no. Can I guess which video? Can I guess which guess, video? Guess which video my they they called me Jan Jackson video. Wait, I did they both catch just you? My, just my dad. Just my dad. Guess which video? Okay, they called me, I'm gonna guess the video and then I want to know what his reaction was. Okay, guess the video. That's the way love goes. No, it's not that sweet. No, it's not the. Oh no! Wait a minute. No, 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 it's not that it wasn't that's the way love goes. It wasn't. It wasn't that's the way love goes. What is a was it a slow song or a fast song? It was like a mid-tempo joint. If? No, wasn't it? Okay, because that's if too fast. There, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Go, go. So so it was it was one called You Want This. You want this? <laughs> Early in the morning, so, so I would never guess that one. <laughs> so, so this is the only time I think this has ever happened to me. Um, but so I was waiting for the video to come on to make love to the video, and it, I, I was I, I remember I heard my dad coming up the block, and the video they were like when the commercial break comes back. You want this, Jan Jackson? I'm like, fuck. Why couldn't he be gone for 10 more minutes? You know what I mean? Were I you in like, your bedroom or the living room? I was in like the, the living room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was in the living room. And so, and so uh I was like, and so you know, he's coming down the block, whatever. And then they come back from commercial. I'm like, oh shit, I got time. So I figured I would have time because when the I remember this clear as day as it was yesterday. Because the truck would drive up, I could hear the truck cut off, 
And I knew that there was going to be about a minute, two minutes, two and a half minutes from the time that the truck cut off. He got out, walked around, came through the side door, walked through the side thing, through the lip, up to the thing, and then passed the living room. I was like, I got plenty of time. For whatever reason, either I was too into what I was doing. That's it. Or or he fucking teleported from getting out of his truck to the opening where he could see me. Either that or that. But I swear to God, it just happened. Boom. And he looked at me. And he just stood there. He was like, well, I guess you're to that age. And then he walked around and he looked at the TV. And when he walked and looked at the TV, the video had gone off and Miss Cleo <laughs> from... Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you think I'm lying? It's true. And Miss Cleo, the commercial was on. My daddy was like, boy, what you looking at, though? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden, he was, he was looking at me and this was this weird moment where we both paused and... Then he realized what was going on and he got angry. He was like, what if your mama would have been walking her through here? You Don't you show your dick in my house. That's what his <laughs> words were. Don't you show your dick in my house. Boy, put, boy, what's that? Put that, put that back in your pants, boy. Now sit your ass down. But then he went in the room. I didn't hear from him for the rest of the night. We never talked about it. So that's, so that's the kind of things that would happen with me and my, we never talked about it. See, what, what should have happened there Love you, Dad. What should have happened was come back out, son. Let's talk about sure. when and where you could jack off and all of that stuff. He didn't know how to talk to you. Never talked about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, we uh, never discussed it. That generation you know? didn't. Yeah. You know? No fault to him. That's just yeah. not how they were raised. Oh, wrong. My sister called me one time, too. But Poor it was her Ebony. fault. She walked into my she walked into Poor my Ebony. And that was to uh the insert to the Foxy Bound album. So she had a pictorial oh inside God, the insert. Oh my God, you were holding a picture? It was on the bed. So it was like the insert of the Foxy Brown album. She'll, Ebony, Ebony's going to hear this and she's going to remember this because it's like she saw the insert. The, you know, you get you buy the CD. I only bought the CD for the pictures, to be honest with you. It was like, the, you know, that's Foxy Brown, Lil' Kim. It's like they had sexy pictures, whatever. It's, wow. Nah, I'm a little embarrassed. All right, next. Yeah. Last, last one. Uh, that's tough. It's tough to follow. Um... Um, what should be illegal but isn't from Demer Sumatra on Reddit? Demer Sumatra. What should be illegal but isn't? Uh, Turtlenecks and chains. Turtlenecks and chains is a good answer. We'll just go with what we had talked about on the pod. Yeah. It's not it's not a cute look, guys. You don't think so? Turtleneck and chains? Do you do it? No. Are you a turtleneck fan? You like a it guy in a turtleneck? It doesn't bother me. It doesn't move me, but it doesn't bother me. So like a, a like what what's your favorite genre of man? Like your favorite you man in uniform, man in suit. I like uh, a suit. A suit? suit? A suit's nice. Man in fantasy suite? Like it's like you know. <laughs> are you speaking before we get off mailbag? Are you watching Batch? No. Nope. Are you watching Batch at all? No Batch. Nope. nope. Haven't watched in a while. I don't think since Matt James's season. Really? Who's on Batch right now? Is Batch currently going? Is there currently Batch? They have two Bachelorettes. 
at the same time. Two bachelorettes at the same time? Yeah. They come on different days? No, they're going to be finding love together at the same time. Like, I know enough without watching it, especially because Brian still does a podcast under them, but basically the guy, the girl, he, he this girl he wanted, I guess, didn't want him back and that's who he wanted. So he sent the other two girls home. So the show is like, well, we're going to help these other two girls find love. and We're going to have two bachelorettes at the same time. I have, like, I have a question. We've talked about Batch as far as when they're going to get Black Batch. When do you ever think they're going to go gay on Batch? Well, I mean, I guess they did. There was a DL Bachelor. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when there will be, like, if there's, like, a bisexual Bachelor or Bachelorette, they'll have, like... I don't know, but they need to. I think that that would be fantastic. Now... If you if you're familiar with their fan base at all, they might not like it. But I think if you're trying to draw in a younger audience, a new audience, I think it would be well received. I would love to see a gay bachelor or bachelorette or bachelorette. Yeah, yeah. Shot at love with Tia or just like not even calling it either one. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have that's it for mailbag? That's it. Donnie's mailbag grade. I'm going to start uh, grading Donnie on every mailbag that he does. Mailbag grade for Donnie, D. Okay, D that's extreme. Uh, Donnie, a, it was a solid B minus. B minus uh, D is a okay. D. So okay. you so added to a C. Though, to C. Did you hear yeah. how much he cared in his voice? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Donnie. Ooh, I do better. Donnie, you know what? No, Donnie, me and you have to record another podcast tomorrow. And I hope that you are better then than you are now. Because it's I not gotta, working out. I got to catch up. I'm behind on Atlanta. I'm, yeah, well, I well, catch up on it, Donnie. You behind on Atlanta. What is this? Prestige? Yes, Prestige Podcast, Prestige TV Podcast on Atlanta. Me and Donnie have to do it with Rembert Brown. I bet you're not behind on Seinfeld, race trader. Uh, anyway, do you have... <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, don't, I do I not have an unexpected ally of the week. <laughs> I, I mean, well, I guess it could all, be Bruce. I love Seinfeld. Bruce who? Bruce Arians. Oh, Bruce Arians. Yeah, unexpected ally of the week is Bruce Arians. Although it is expected from me. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh... As the slap turns, um, I'm really gonna be fucking turning off my brain to all slap related content. We gave you, we gave you what I felt like was one of our best podcasts on the slap on my, on, on Tuesday, and we delved more into it today. So uh, I'm over it. Um, until I just got word that Will Smith and Jada are, of course, gonna do Red Table Talk. Come on. We have to come to the table. No, talk. I'm not I'm not interested. It's in a controlled space. It's the two of them. I don't like that. That's not what I want to hear. Let me know when Chris Rock, Rock is ready to speak. Well, he has spoken a little bit. He went on stage. He didn't and say he anything. said he's not here. He hasn't processed it quite yet. So he did say something. So. And he said when he does, it'll be serious and funny. That's what I want to hear. I'm not trying to listen to Red Table Talk so they can profit off of this. Red Table Talk. Talk, talk, talk. 
I have a new Red Table Talk uh, theme song. You ready? Let's go. One, two, three, four. Red Table Talk. We talk. I talk. Red Table Talk. We talk. 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 Red Table Talk. We talk. 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 Red Table Talk. We talk. 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 Red Table Talk. Enough. Enough. I know I talked about it before and I said this wasn't true, but I now feel traumatized and triggered. Please end the podcast. Okay. <laughs> take, your, take your thinking caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I am Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Donnie, Bye, take guys. us out with our Rach Table Talk theme song by me. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four.